The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, we promise you are absolutely in the right place. What is the buzz today? Well, this is part two of a show we did a few weeks ago, and let me tell you, let me level set here. I have a quote from a lady named Catherine Hayes. She is the co-founder and CEO of venture-backed company called Vivoom, V-I-V-O-O-M. It's an ad tech startup, okay? This was an interview she did at Wharton UPenn for one of their articles. Here's the quote. Male VCs, that's venture capitalists to those of you who don't know, male VCs, and obviously most are, are very comfortable now giving female entrepreneurs capital for girl stuff. Want to rent dresses or sell baby wipes as a subscription? No problem. The VCs ask their wives or girlfriends if the idea is cool and they're good to go. But female founders pitching hardcore proprietary technologies face an altogether different dynamic. Come on, you've heard all of this, maybe not in these rather graphic words from Catherine Hayes at Vavoom, but you know what's going on. So what are we talking about here? Don't be fooled. Sexual harassment and discriminatory treatment toward women are not a problem only in Silicon Valley, nor can they be quickly undone by men who write nice, polite, conciliatory blog apologies. And we've all read some of those. What is happening with female-founded businesses? Well, statistics are in, and it's all good. They're outperforming male-started businesses five to one. They're boosting the U.S. economy, that's just the U.S. economy, by 1.6 trillion. Trillion, that's trillion with a T. However, only 7% of venture partners are women and only 2% of funding has gone to women startup founders. What will it take to lift the barriers that are limiting innovation funding according to gender? Oh my, that's a big question. And we have invited back our panel from a couple of weeks ago. We do have a newcomer on the panel. So let me tell you who is on the lineup today and then we'll get started. First up, in a moment, I'll be introducing you again to Adam Quinton, founder and CEO of Lucas Point Ventures. That's right, a venture company, and he's a guy. That's good to have him on the panel. Joining us also is Victoria Pettibone. She's our newcomer, and she's a managing director at Astia, uh, Astia Angels. We're going to be talking to her about her role there. We're very happy to have her. She is replacing Sharon Vostek on Vosmek on the panel. Sharon is uh, dealing with some health issues right now. We send her a big hug. 
and rounding out the panel, Dr. Patty Fletcher, Futurist Leader at SAP Success Factors. This is a wow panel. Wait till you hear what they have to say. So Adam Quinton has sent me a quote from Beyonce this time. Oh my, speaking of women entrepreneurs, Beyonce has won 22 Grammys. She is the most nominated woman in the Grammy Award history, the most awarded artist at the MTV Video Music Awards, but most interesting, she is the highest paid black musician in history, was listed among Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World two years in a row, and Forbes listed her as the most powerful female in entertainment of 2015, and she occupied sixth place for Person of the Year in 2016. Here is the quote, power is not given to you, you have to take it. Adam Quinton, what a powerful quote. We are delighted. Talk to me about this quote. The quote packs a punch. It has the word power in it. And I didn't realize Beyonce had climbed such great heights in her career. So speaking of entrepreneurs, as I said, go ahead, Adam. Tell us about the quote. Well, Bonnie, it resonated with me um, partly because uh, literally a couple of weeks back, I was interviewing Sally Krawcheck at an event who's a star in her own right. She was at one point uh, dubbed the most powerful woman on Wall Street and now has got a breakout new career as uh, an entrepreneur. And one of the things that she talked about was the issue of women's empowerment. And she brought up the point that she'd written a post recently where she'd said she was done with women's empowerment. And the point was, uh, she explained it, that the whole concept of empowerment meant that somebody gave you power and uh, she's literally written the book, a book on seizing the power yourself. Her book's called Own It, if I can advertise her book. And if there's a sentence or a phrase, rather, that captured what her book was all about, it was that, that wonderful Beyonce quote. So I'm tying together not just Beyonce, but another superstar woman business person and uh, currently rock star entrepreneur. Very interesting. I'm, I'm glad you made that tie-in. Uh, I did not realize Beyonce had accumulated so much quote-unquote power, Adam, and that she had vaulted to the, the top of the heap, the top of the very, very tall ladder, if you will, in music and entertainment history. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. very, very happy that you brought that and love the quote. She certainly knows, right? She, she just grabbed it all along the way. So thank you for that. I could, I'm picturing her now, one of those gold sparkly outfits doing her thing on stage. Always Always a power pact. Thank you, Adam. And now we're going to welcome... Go ahead. I was just going to say, she's got 15 million Twitter followers as well. So, like, just a few other things. Just a few other things, right. Well, she created a following for probably multiple reasons. One, she's beautiful to look at. Two, she's really interesting in terms of her music. Number three, she has such messages in her music. I can't always follow them, but I know there's some deep meaning in there. And number four, she's a businesswoman. Right, Adam? She's a businesswoman. She's in the music business. She just doesn't sit there, I'm sure, and say, okay, put my lipstick on and powder me and put me and wheel me on stage. She is doing this. So uh, very, very interesting, and thank you again. And now let's welcome Victoria Pettibone, Managing Director at Ostia. And in a few minutes, I'll come back and have Adam tell us what he does, and Victoria will tell us what she does. But Victoria has selected a quote, a very provocative one, 
from the movie Cousins, 1989 romantic comedy, uh, and it starred Ted Danson, Isabella Rossellini, Sean Young, William Peterson. They were the two couples featured in it, and basically it's what happens when you go to a wedding and you become cousins by marriage, and the mix-up of the spouses becoming enamored of each other. One has an affair, the other one wants to get back at them, and ultimately falls in love, and years later, the reunion, and very interesting. I didn't see it, but you know what, Victoria? I have to get that one on demand. I'm going to. So here is the quote. Here's the quote. Now, everybody listen up. I'm going to be very delicate about this. I told Victoria I would say it on air, but we don't use this language. You've got only one life to live. You can either make it chicken, S blank, blank, T, or chicken salad, Victoria. That's the best I can do. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Victoria Pettibone, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Good. Very well. So this quote, this quote's been with me a lot recently. Um, I have two young children, and I've I've been watching them have these overblown reactions to life as young children do. And I and I've been trying to instill on them this concept that you know you don't have to have, you don't have to let these things make you so angry or so upset. And I I've actually tried this quote on them. Although I said chicken poop, can be chicken poop or chicken salad. <laughs> now you tell me. It doesn't walk at, now work you on tell them me. At all, but, <laughs> <laughs> but why I love it so much, and, it, and, it, and I really do think of it often, is that, um, you know, chicken salad, it's not filet mignon. It's not ice cream. It's not perfect. Nobody craves chicken salad. Chicken salad's okay. It's, like, good. You know, it's generally everyone can kind of accept it. It's not, you're not going to choose to order it, but if you're given it, it's good. It's a little messy, but generally everyone, everyone's happy about it. Relatively, So it's not an unattainable goal. It's not saying life needs to be perfect. And why I, why I feel it can apply to today's um, conversation is that, you know, I think as we strive for equity and equality, um, you know, we're not going to get it perfect and we shouldn't be striving for perfection. We need to put in the work. We need to do it anyway. And there really is a solution out there that can work for many, many people that can make people relatively happy. You know, some people are going to not get their filet mignon and they're going to have to deal with that. But, but we all can, we all can kind of have this chicken salad solution. And I think it's worth that we all make that the goal and, and not try to do something that's unattainable. So, um, and, and, and acknowledge that it's messy and, and that's okay. Absolutely. A lot of words of wisdom in there, Victoria. Thank you so much. And please give our regards to Sharon. And uh, we're happy that you're available to take her spot on the panel today and hope she is well. Very interesting quote. Um, Yes, chicken salad can be messy, can't it? Yes, it depends on how much mayonnaise you put in it, whether you let it sit out in the sun. And you put walnuts in it and you put celery in it. It can get very, very interesting. Thank you. And Patty Fletcher is up next. Dr. Patty Fletcher, futurist leader at SAP Success Factors. Patty has sent us a very serious quote from Henry George. Henry George, 19, I'm sorry, 1839 to 1897, American political economist and journalist. His writing was immensely popular in the 19th century and sparked several reform movements. His writing inspired the economic philosophy known as Georgism. Ah, he also wrote Progress and Poverty in 1875, which, Patty, get this, back in the day before we had internet and all kinds of promotions and book tours, his book sold millions of copies worldwide, more than any other American book before that time. They wrote probably on Wikipedia, but if they said millions, I'm guessing if they were shy by one million, he still had a lot of millions. He was a very well, well well-read man. So here's the quote. What has destroyed every previous civilization 
has been the tendency to the unequal distribution of wealth and power. Dr. Patty Fletcher, how are you? I'm great, Bonnie. It's back to it's wonderful to be back with you. Glad and thank you. And you've been busy. You've got your I saw you doing some blogs about Wonder Woman and you you've started a new series. You want to just quickly tell us what your series is about? Your podcast? You bet. I have a book coming out um, in January twenty eighteen called Disruptors, Success Strategies from Women Who Break the Mold. And that's being published by Entrepreneur Press. And so um, they have me doing a few things to help build up momentum for the book. And Sally Krawcheck's in, in that book, by the way, Adam, um, and a, a bunch of other just incredible women. And these are women just like, um, you know, those of us on the phone, um, a few good men in there too, Adam. And, um, and really just telling the stories around how you define success on your own terms and how you go achieve it, whatever success might look like for you. There are multiple, multiple examples. And so what I'm doing in Entrepreneur Online is a weekly series. My first 20 articles are about the success traits held by Wonder Woman in the movie. And then I bring in examples and stories from some women I know who possess those traits. And, um, and then I just started a weekly show on um, Entrepreneur on their Facebook channel, and it's called Disruptors Unite. And I always kind of put my fist up at the end of that. I don't know why. Um, like power. <laughs> and that's where I bring in women who are disrupting the world around them and, and spend some time with them, get to know them, and, and find out some very practical information about what they're doing and how they're doing it. So very excited about that. Very excited week. indeed. Yep. Yeah, tell this me about week, the quote. Uh, I want to know morning. about the Sorry, Henry Amanda George Steinberg's going to be on. And, um, okay. I, yep, and I, I believe Adam and, and Victoria both know her, but she is disrupting the world of women and money um, and absolutely thrilled to have her join me. Good. And now, Henry George, what does his quote have to do with our oh, topic? Boy, We're looking at gender bias. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Victoria and Adam, when I saw this quote, I couldn't help but think of the Silicon Valley. I couldn't help but think of the VC landscape. There really is just a complete imbalance of power, those who have the money and what they do with it and what they choose to do with it. Only 7% of partners from the top VC firms are women. There's not a lot of power there. And as a result, um, there's there's really not a lot of say in who gets what, who gets the access to the people and the money. And that is a huge challenge we have, a massive huge challenge. The great news is things like Astia Angels and other organizations, uh, folks are coming together to, to put their money where um, they see an underrepresented populations who need it, as Victoria or I think Adam, I can't remember who said, you know, there's, there's absolutely, I'll invest a few if you're making baby wipes, um, but not if you're creating some hardcore technology. And, and, you know, we're making shifts to Victoria's point. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. But we will, we will absolutely destroy ourselves if we don't start understanding that diversity is not an option. It's a fact. So how are we going to maximize that? Thank you, Patty. That was in my opening quote, as a matter of fact, from Catherine Hayes at Vivoom. She said, uh, "VC male VCs are giving female entrepreneurs capital for girl stuff, renting dresses or selling mm. baby wipes by a subscription. 
Very, very, very interesting quote. That's why I picked it. The the interview was fascinating as well. Thank you, Patty, for that. A lot of issues here on the table, and this is a a topic that has been making the press recently with some very featured articles, even in the New York Times on this, on who said what and who is really thinking it's true and it's not true and who's on board and who's not on board. So it's definitely a hot topic. may not be in the big headlines, but it certainly is there for us to pay attention to. I'm going to circle back to Adam Quinton, and we're going to do the little up-close-and-personal part of our show. Adam, you've done it before, and you know very well. I want to know, from where are you calling? In general, not the Google Map coordinates of the roof of your, your home or the door number on your office. And we'd love to know, what are you drinking today? If it makes you smile, if it's boring and old, forget that. Tell me what you'd rather be drinking. Adam Quinton. Uh, well, I'm calling from the uh, wonderful and incredibly sunny um, state of Connecticut. We're like 10 degrees above normal. I won't make any observation about uh, the climate, but anyway, it's a super <laughs> sunny, lovely day here, so particularly nice time to be on the show. Um, in terms of drinks or beverages, um, sort of my go-to for a while now, and I had it literally at lunch yesterday, um, was a cranberry and soda. So for those that you haven't tried it, it's, uh, it's well worth it. And at the risk of stretching things a little bit, I think it's a great beverage example of the power of diversity, the point being like cranberry juice is a fruit juice, and we know it's healthy and all that sort of stuff. Um, and soda is sort of, well, it's another thing. It's sort of boring, but, you know, you put mm-hmm. them together and you've got this incredibly nice, refreshing drink. It's a sort of beverage, two plus two equals five. So it's the, the power of diversity in beverages. I like that a lot, and I keep cranberry juice in the fridge all the time for various reasons, and I just like it. It is refreshing, and a little soda, make it into a spritzer once in a while. Why not? Adam, tell us. I'll give you 90 seconds here. Lucas Point Ventures, what do you do? So uh, Adam does a bunch of things. To your point, um, Lucas Point Ventures is my early-stage investing vehicle. Um, I'm not a super active angel investor, but I've invested in 15 companies. All but two of them have at least one female founder, which percentage-wise puts me in a way outlier bracket. Um, And in terms of other parts of my life, I'm also an adjunct professor at the Columbia School of International and Public Affairs, which... Um, I have to give a shout-out to because uh, Victoria is an alum of SIPA. Uh, um, mm. And it's also worth mentioning I'm on a couple of um, boards which play into the diversity space, which if folks haven't heard of them, hopefully they'll get to learn about them. One is the Center for Talent Innovation in New York, and another is called International House, which is, uh, sort of does what its name says it does. Thank you very much, and we're happy to have you on board for many reasons. And now let's turn to... Victoria Pettibone, Managing Director at ASEA. Victoria, welcome. And a couple questions. Where are you calling from? What do you love to drink the most? And refresh us. What does ASEA do and what is your role there, please? Great. So I'm calling from New York, New York, um, and uh, right, right up in Upper West Side. And uh, I was actually born and raised here, which um, I always like to point out because people are always surprised to meet a, a native New Yorker. Um, so what I, I can always go for a good fancy cocktail, but being that it's the morning, I, I would not want alcohol in it. So I would like one of those amazing cocktails that makes you think you're drinking alcohol, but you aren't. Um, and when I was pregnant um, with my first child, I was really on a mission to find you know, the very best non-alcoholic cocktails in the city. And whenever I went into a bar or restaurant, I would tell the bartender to, you know, make me forget that I'm not drinking alcohol with the drink you make me. And unfortunately, oftentimes they would give me things like cranberry and seltzer. Sorry, Adam, but that was not doing the trick for me. Um, 
and uh, sometimes I get a Shirley Temple, you know, just not happening. But um, one of the things I did find was that Tom Colicchio's restaurants have fantastic non-alcoholic cocktails, you know, with, with mint and with basil and, you know, all the fancy things that really do make you think that you're drinking a cocktail. And, um, and I have a theory it's because of his wife. He's married to a wonderful filmmaker named Lori Silverbush. And um, I have a feeling that when she was pregnant, she said, this is totally uncool. There's nothing to drink at restaurants when you're pregnant and you want something to go with your dinner that's, you know, feels like it's a fancy cocktail. And, and that's probably why he created such a good list. But anybody out there pregnant who wants to pretend that they're drinking, go to, go to one of his restaurants. <laughs> Really appreciate that. By the way, I was uh, born in Queens, New York, and raised in Douglaston and ended up back in Great Neck for 34 years. So uh, I I think I'm a native New Yorker, too, and I'm happy to be talking to one. Thank you very much, Victoria, (laughs) and glad you're enjoying something fizzy and wonderful and delicious. (laughs) And Patty Fletcher, we know what you do. We've heard about what your new enterprise is, and we'd love to know where you're calling from today. And what's your favorite drink in the world right now, Patty? Um, so I'm calling from my home office in Natick, Massachusetts, which is exciting because I'm about to have about six weeks of travel in front of me, so so it's nice to be here. Um, and just like Adam and Victoria's weather, and no doubt yours, Bonnie, it is a lovely day. I love this unseasonably warm weather, but I also can't wait for fall. Um, I'm My favorite drink is a St. Germain cocktail, which I think I shared before, but Victoria, you're right. It's too early for that, so I'm not going to do that. Instead, I am drinking boring water, but in a super mm. cool mug that I got this weekend. I'm executive in residence at um, Babson College's WinLab program, which is an early-stage accelerator, and they had their kickoff for for this year's um, this year's cohort, and so I go and, and talk to them about entrepreneurship stuff. And as a gift, I got this cup that says, "I really need a day between Saturday and Sunday." And yes, I do. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking out of. Thank you, Patty. I want to know what does Wonder Woman drink? Do you know? Because I'm I'm looking here on Amazon. There is something called a Wonder Woman drink. But do you know what would Wonder Woman today drink? I have no idea what she well, would I, drink. I'm going to find just, out. Probably a fancy I just water. found it. I just found it. There's something called a Wonder Woman. You know me, Patty. Wonder know, Woman drink drink recipe. It says Wonder Woman drink recipe made with Adam. This is for you. Cranberry juice, melon Excellent. liquor. Isn't Excellent. that Midori? Melon liquor is Midori, I think. Orange juice, peach schnapps, pineapple juice. Oh my! Sign me up. So it's, that sounds great. Yep. Okay. Two ounces of cranberry, two ounces of Midori, and three ounces of orange juice. I bet a lot of ice in there too. The video's been taken down. I can't imagine why. And then shirts. S <laughs> H-I-R-T-S-Shirts.com, nothing to do with the chicken stuff we talked about with Victoria, has six delicious Wonder Woman cocktail recipes in what they call their shirts blog. So I'm going to empower all of you to, oh, 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 here we are. It's called the Golden Lasso of Truth, Patty. That's the number oh one God. cocktail. <laughs> it's white rum, brandy, triple sec, and lemon. Fill the shaker with ice, blend in the shaker, strain into a glass, decorate with candied lemon peel and golden raw sugar. White rum, brandy, and sickle, triple sec. Are you even standing oh my after God. that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Then they have I think the it's Steve- the next Astia dinner. We know what cocktails we're serving, guys. Yeah, um. I think you do. <laughs> they also have the, the Hippolyta's pick-me-up. They have the Steve Trevor, the Claws of the Cheetah, the Circe's Incantation, and the Invisible Jet which is just oh, yeah. sparkling white grape juice and rum, white rum. Oh, my Ooh, that's, gosh. I okay. know. I, 
I'm well, sorry. That will be I'm a sorry. Fun night. <laughs> <laughs> Take pictures and send them to me to post here. Anyway, I uh, I don't know if Patty knows this, but I left New York about four weeks ago, and I'm now living in Durham, North Carolina. How about that? No southern accent yet. And I have a beautiful office in my new home overlooking a garden instead of a busy street in Long Island. So I'm very, very happy about that. But they still don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. I was really dying for a cup of espresso this morning. But it'll have to wait. So all I have is a cool, clear cup of water. And it's the same cool mug I had in New York, just plain. And I have a pink straw because it is a gorgeous day here in Durham. The sun is shining, a couple of teeny-weeny fluffy white clouds, blue skies, and I planted a big yellow mum in my front garden last night. So I'm looking out and waving to the yellow mum. So we are having a very interesting and very lively conversation here. Our topic today is don't start with me. We'll actually start with me. Funding female-founded startups. A little bit of a tongue twister, part two. We have back Adam Quinton and Dr. Patty Fletcher and new panelist Victoria Pettibone at Astia and Astia Angels. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive. This is a big topic. You may not have read about it in the papers, whatever newspapers, whatever publications you like to read, but it's real, and there is a little bit of a he said, she said going on on both sides. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Why did you? I don't know. Where is the money going? How are we going to get serious female startups the funding they need to change the world for a good way and all of that good stuff? So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. And by the way, shout out to Karen Geraldo, who is tweeting. She loves to listen, loves to listen. And somebody's got a puppy in the background. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. 90 seconds. Count them with us. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Yes, indeed. We are changing the game, and some of us are having coffee, and some of us are listening and thinking about more powerful imbibements. So here we are, if that's a word. Adam Quinton, Victoria Pettibone, Dr. Patty Fletcher. We are talking today about a topic that is just can't keep out, out of the headlines for some reason. Funding female-founded startups. There's a tongue twister in there, but it's very, very serious. We're going to start our roundtable with some notes here that Adam Quinton at Lucas Point Venture sent me before the show. And Adam said the following. Tech's bigger issues are society's issues. The data suggests the tech industry has many diversity challenges, not the least female founder fundraising. Adam, you're up. Okay, well, we can uh, go on for some duration about this, Bonnie, but I'll, I'll just say a couple of things. Um, you know, firstly, at the risk of um, offending any uh, techies out there in, in the audience, uh, I personally think that a lot of the tech industry is in its own sort of mental bubble. Um, it thinks it's special. It thinks it's unique. Um, and in many ways, it's doing great stuff that is unique, but the reality is we're all human beings, and I think the tech industry misses the fundamental fact when it talks about diversity issues, when it talks about you know, female founders or gender diversity within corporations. It misses the fact that the things that are creating the problems in the tech industry are really no different from you know, pervasive societal issues. So things like you know, the impact of con- unconscious bias, which touches all of us, um, the impact of, of, of stereotypes, um, also slightly less visibly the impact of the way biases get built into human capital management systems and processes and affect hiring and decision-making. So um, one of the things I push back on is this tech is special idea because I think what it does is it prevents tech from seeing some of the things happening in the broader world and solutions that other companies that they might sort of look down on from on high um, are trying to deploy to make other organizations better when it comes to um, diversity in, in all respects. And Sort of you alluded to the fact that there's a he said, she said on this, which has evolved um, really in the recent past, I think, for a couple of years, there's been a lot of um, effort and, and voices speaking about um, supporting women in technology in all, all sorts of respects. And the backlash, if I can use that word, has, has started. Um, you know, there was a piece that Nellie Bowles wrote in the New York Times just a couple of days ago entitled, Push for Gender Equality in Tech? Question mark. Some men say it's gone too far. And the whole point of the article is to quote a bunch of guys who sort of are getting upset that maybe, you know, their noses are being put out of joint, their career prospects are being in some way impaired by these, um, if I can use the word, sort of uppity women who are getting special treatment. Mm-hmm. And for all the folks that think, think like that, I would just recommend that they do the following, that they, they Google uh, Michael Kimmel, K-I-M-M-E-L, and look at his TEDx where he talks about a lot of these issues, and the quote that I'll end on, if I can, Bonnie, is this wonderful line that he has in this TEDx where he basically talks about guys, and he's specifically, frankly, talking about white guys, and how, as he puts it, they have benefited from the biggest affirmative action program in the history Mm. of the world. And what Mm. do you think he he describes as the biggest affirmative action program in the history of the world? What? The history of the world. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a little bit of a tautology circular read. Give me the name of this gentleman again. I'm going to look him up on, uh, on uh, TEDx. Michael What's Kimmel, K-I-M-M-E-L. He's a professor at uh, Stony Brook University, uh, oh. actually out on Long Island. And yes. uh, it, it's a great, great video. And I think any guy who watches it with an open mind hopefully will think, gee, you know, phew, 
maybe there's some stuff in there that I hadn't thought about, some perspectives, you know, specifically around gender. And uh, the key point of his video, his TEDx, is he ends up making the point, which I think implies in technology definitely, but also more broadly, obviously, is that, that fundamentally gender equality is actually good for women and men, both genders, both sexes. Yes, and by the way, he's a spokesperson for NOMAS. That's the National Organization for Men Against Sexism. And in 2013, he founded the Center for the Study of Men and Masculinities at Stony Brook University, and he is executive director. He's also a distinguished professor of sociology at Stony Brook on Long Island, and he graduated with a bachelor's in distinction from Vassar, which used to be girls only. Like when I went to Sarah Lawrence, it was girls only, and now poof, Wide open. So let's move on to Victoria Pettibone. Love to get your thoughts, Victoria, on what Adam just brought up. Talk to me. Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly agree with it. And, and you know, his original statement that it's not just in the tech industry. It's true. And, and we're seeing backlash everywhere, right, with, with progressive, you know, again, you know, what happened in Charlottesville and et cetera. We're seeing political backlash, seeing, um, seeing it everywhere. So I, I think it's right that not just exclusive to the tech industry. Um, that article that you referenced, you know, there was a statement at the end of the article saying, but one of the one of the people said, oh, well, it would be nice to have women, but you can't find the applicants. You know, this is one of these myths that is floating around Silicon Valley. And, you know, since, since this um, show in the beginning of August, Astia Angels have had two exits, both very successful. One was a medical device company run by a woman. One was a SaaS cloud computing company run by women. Um, so, the, you know, it's just not true that the women aren't out there. They are most definitely out there, and they're doing very well when people do invest in them and support them. Um, so, you know, there, there are certainly a lot of myths going on, um, but I think, I think those myths are exacerbated in a time when people feel that their filet mignon is being taken away from them, and they're, they're, they're going to have to get used to chicken salad. Thank you very much. Patty Fletcher, I know you have something to say. Join us. <laughs> yeah, th- this article, it, it, uh, you know, that, that we talked through, Adam, I, I couldn't agree more that this could be almost any industry, but um, the, the tech industry, it's, it's awful, it's tough. And, Victoria, what you just said is so important, right? The people who have thrived in this system, of course they are going to be threatened, right, and become victims. And it's it's incredibly infuriating because what they're doing is is wanting to keep this culture of or instead of a culture of and, which is financially, economically, innovation-wise, really stupid. Um, I just I don't quite get it. Um, the the things that were upsetting, I think, when that whole Google thing went down, and it wasn't surprising because we've seen this already, but to have a call to light was that it's not just the old, stale, and pale men. It's the upcoming generation as well. And that is very, very worrisome, um, really a problem, and quite frankly, looking at the wrong data points. But one thing that just kind of stuck out to me in the article was um, Eric Weinstein, who did a tweet that said, Dear Google, stop teaching my girl that her path to financial freedom lies not in coding but in complaining to HR. I was so um, taken aback by that because that's not what this is. This is not tattletaling. I'm sorry. If you are experiencing discrimination, and in this case some sexual harassment as well and, and you know, lots of stuff that we've seen, that's not complaining to HR. And since when does equity mean complaining to HR? It's, it, it's such a bad 
um, dialogue to be having, but the truth is whenever there is change, this is showing us that change is happening, right? Everything we're seeing around the world, Victoria mentioned a few things here in the U.S., but it's, it's certainly around the world. We are on the cusp of great change. We really, really hope that those that believe in equity are going to be stronger, stand up, have more of the grit. But it's always hardest before a status quo is changed. So it's none of this is surprising when you take a step back, as long as you don't get involved in the rhetoric. Um, but there is so much wrong here, and ultimately people are afraid of, of losing their filet mignon, as, as Victoria said. And the rest of us, like me, I'm afraid that we are not going to do what it takes to change the world around um, who gets funded, who doesn't, who gets access, who gets to bring their innovations to market. So certainly interesting time. Thank you, Patty. And, and for all of you, one of my favorite ads, I do keep CNN. Don't cast aspersions on me. I keep CNN on the background when I'm not on the radio on, on one of my other computers. And a new ad has surfaced called Black Girls Code. Have any of you heard the ad? Anybody no. seen it? It's, it's uh, the vision. It shows a series of young girls aged 7 to 17. The goal of this organization is to increase the number of women of color in the digital space by empowering girls of color ages 7 to 17 to become innovators in STEM fields, leaders in the community, builders of their own future through exposure to computer science and technology to empower them with the skills to occupy some, listen to this, to occupy some of the 1.4 million computing job openings expected to be available in the U.S. by 2020 and to train 1 million girls by 2040. Patty, react to that. I I think it's amazing. Women leave tech at twice the rate of men, um, and women of color leave at a higher rate, and they don't return. We don't replace women of color in tech. They're not – none of us are going to get where we want to be without some help, right, without some help. And I I do have problems with diversity programs. So the the Google letter, it annoyed me, um, but I understood that the programs aren't working. But programs like this one, where you are, I like Sally Krawcheck for a long time, I've never believed in empowerment. That's ridiculous. I own my own power. But what people do need to be is enabled. And that's amazing. The the next generation workforce, and it shouldn't just be with, with teens. This should be with folks who have to transition because their jobs are going away. We should have training out there to ensure that we have all of the best talent, not just some of the best talent. And we need programs that are focusing in on underrepresented populations to grow that talent because no one else is. I love that. I think it's fantastic if we look at who uses technology? Hmm, 50% of the world's population are women. I think we use them, right? We're responsible for most technology choices. So it makes sense that we are training folks not only to fill positions but to create the innovations in the products that, that represent who it is that's buying and using them. Thank you. And I'm remembering, Adam, I'm going to get back to you in a second. I'm remembering, and I won't name the panelists, but on Shark Tank about three years ago, I just literally fell off my chair. Uh, One of the female sharks, very well-known woman, self-made, they all are self-made, made made a comment to a, a... an inventor who was pitching his product, his company, to the sharks. And she said, well, you have to keep the app simple because mostly women will be using it and they don't understand tech. I'm not wow. kidding you. I, I, I literally, I almost stopped watching the show. I, I just absolutely floored. 
absolutely floored. I, I don't know why that came out of her mouth, but I, I Googled it since, and I have not been able to find that clip, but that was a real shocker. She said it as just like I'm saying, I said, what, uh, Patty and Victoria and Adam, I'm a coder from way back in the day before some of you were, not before you were born, but when you were just in knee pants, as I used to say, I was a mainframe programmer analyst on the West Coast working and running a whole computer system, a whole reporting system for the uh, State Department of Community Colleges for the state of Oregon. And I was coding, I was creating, I could do 2,000 lines of code on a weekend, key punch it Monday morning and have it running with with only maybe one syntax error by noon on Monday and running an entire statewide system with about, I don't know, two years of training, and that was it. And I, I have great respect, but many of the women, many of the people in my class, and it was a community college class. That was my, my doctorate degree was after the bachelor's. I went to a community college for tech training and uh, computer operations and programming. And about half the people in my class who were all coming from other disciplines, some had decided not to be a lawyer, not to be a doctor, not to be an architect. And we all landed in computer technology. And more than half of them were women, and we were crackerjack programmers, i got to tell you. So enough of that. Adam, anything you want to wrap up on this one before I move on to something from Victoria. Well, I, I just pick up on that very last point about um, the sort of patronizing, stereotypically um, sexist point about, you know, women not understanding dot, 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 you know, fill in the gap. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one thing that I think, um, you know, is incumbent upon all guys to recognize is the following, that uh, essentially... Every year since roughly 1984, women have earned more bachelor's degrees in the U.S. than men. I Mm. think from like 10 years after that, they started to earn more master's degrees than men. Um, More recently, they started to earn more PhDs than men. So going back to Victoria's point about folks who say the female talent isn't out there, there aren't enough capable women, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that is utter bullshit. Um, You know, if there's a problem in male-female education the, and, and ability and whatever, not so much ability but education, it's actually the underperformance of men. Um, you know, the, 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 the canard that women are unable to do, again, fill in the gap, is, is not just absurd on its face, but it's actually totally, um, uh, totally against the facts. And, you know, from that point of view, the... the, the, the the fact that people can continue to say stuff like that is, on the one hand, pretty shocking, but, but it's, it's there, and we have to push back on it. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to move on to some notes here from Victoria Pettibone. Victoria, all kinds of interesting topics here. Uh, let's talk about business networks. You say business networks still divide along gender and racial lines. Capital flows and deals are done via trusted, intimate relationships. There's a study in Science Direct that women saw a substantial increase in investment when they had a social connection with a male VC. Now, we talk all the time, Patty, we talk all the time about uh, business, on our, especially on our social selling Game Changers show, about it's all about relationships, it's not about hard sell anymore. So, Victoria, talk to us about is this a requirement, having that relationship with a male VC? Um. Well, I think just relationships in general, um, you know, that study was interesting to me because it, it puts people in very uncomfortable territory. And, and sometimes I think it's really important to acknowledge that that we need to get into the uncomfortable territory sometimes to, to get through this. Um, I think where do we create the social networks? You know, unfortunately, 
too often the men are with the men, the women are with the women. At Astia, we're always focused on making sure that we always have 50% men and and 50% women in the room, whether it's um, assessing Mm. companies or um, advising companies, et cetera, investing together in companies, because that's how we begin to build relationships across sectors um, and networks. There was um, uh, something happened recently at Astia where a one of our women entrepreneurs um, had was meeting with a woman venture capitalist, and um, they met over drinks because they were two women. And apparently, both of them said, "Wow, this is the first time I've had one of these meetings over drinks because people stay away from that because it is it is dangerous territory, and and there are bad situations that can come out of that. And unfortunately, there are a lot of males who do have the wrong intentions in those situations. Um, of course, there are male VCs who, who have very good intentions and could do a meeting over drinks, but, but most people are trying to stay away from that territory if they're good people because they don't want to get into that situation. So it makes it even harder for, for women and men to create good relationships. Uh, investing is all about building trust, especially early stage investing. You're investing in the CEO. So how do you build trust? You spend time together. You talk with each other. But the more that our networks can be men and women, um, the more comfortable it is for everyone um, to, you know, instead of going off to some sleazy nightclub, you know, having meetings in places that are more comfortable for everyone um, can help us start to build those relationships. And Victoria, I want you to give the example of the Microsoft party with the dancers after the Game Developers Conference. It's in my notes. You've got to talk about that, please. Yeah, so I mean, this one was in the news, but you know, just the irony of uh, companies saying that they're they're focusing on um, making changes and and diversity and inclusion, and then there was this time when they hosted a party with schoolgirl dancers, little short skirts and bra tops, and it was right after the Game Developers Conference at which they had sponsored a women in ga- a gaming luncheon to promote inclusivity. So that's the other problem that the that some of the companies, um, at, you know, at times they're they're doing initiatives that are going to support inclusion and then in practice things are happening that are counter to that and and make an environment that's very uncomfortable for women. I mean, Patty talked about women leaving the workforce, leaving coding. I mean, we hear again and again how uncomfortable these environments can be for women in in tech. Thank you very much. Sorry to jump in here. I just want to say, don't forget, uh, Victoria, I love that you just brought that up about leaving, but we also hear that from female entrepreneurs who have either worked at a startup or had their own startups where they went for funding. It was such an awful experience that when they go for their next businesses, they avoid that completely, which is incredibly limiting for a number of reasons. It's, It's absolutely a challenge when that brand around inclusion is not experienced <laughs> as, as right. practice. Thank you. Patty, I was going to call on you next anyway, so yeah. you, you, uh, you're up. So well, any other things you want to say? Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it, Victoria, just looking at the, the notes and, and what Victoria was talking about, like with Astia, for example, where, where there's 50-50, and, and it's not just with gender. There's there's a lot of other um, diversity, um, different focuses that that Sharon and, and the team looks for when when bringing a community of folks together. But the the point of what they're doing is they are being intentionally inclusive, right? So d- diversity, all diversity is is numbers. That's all it is, right? We have no choice. We live in a diverse world. We know that. I, I won't spud off all the all the stats. We don't need to do that. 
Um, but inclusion is a choice, and it's a cultural choice, it's a practice choice, it's a structure choice, and it's incredibly difficult because when you have people who are different, they think different, they challenge differently, it can be really unpleasant, and the payoff, though, can be really, really good. And it's hard work. And so it's really difficult. Um, I'm just, you know, the the folks who I've spoken with over the years, it's why should we change? It's hard. It's really hard to change your culture. It's the hardest thing that you can do. And changing the culture, meaning to, to Victoria's point, we experience culture through the stuff that we do, right? And it's too risky for me to go to drinks with somebody because of what might happen, but we're there to talk about business and, and, you know, funding. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and the other thing around this, this culture that we have that's preventing it is if I, if you get something, that means I don't, right? There's always Mm -hmm. this kind of trade-off mentality versus the, we can all win. (laughs) In order for me to win, it doesn't mean you have to lose. And we, we have to get past that. It's a huge problem. And and you do need to be inclusive and experience what that's like in order not to get past it. But we are truly at a phase of, um, of rules without tools. There are a lot of people saying a lot of things, um, you know, in blogs and all that other stuff, but they're not actually changing in a meaningful way. One of the things about that article we were just talking about, and I know there's been a lot of talk about this, but when I, when I think about what it means to be inclusive and, and getting business networks to not be so divided, to break down the silos, we have to learn how to treat each other differently. And Reed Hoffman did this, I can't remember what it was called, like a decency pledge or something. And I just thought, oh, my God, have we hit rock bottom? Not <laughs> people like CEOs and funders are going to need to assign something and said, I'll be a decent human being. <laughs> and when all Victoria talked about was, Let's just maybe think about having business networks and creating relationships with a person that you're speaking with doesn't look like you, you, right? And we have to sign a decency pledge in order to be able to have those conversations and practice differently. It's, it's very, very difficult to accept for me. Thank you, Patty. I want to give Adam a chance to chime in here because we are just on the verge of our crystal ball predictions round. Good good conversation. Adam, why don't you chime in on what uh, Victoria started and Patty added to. Go ahead. Okay, a couple of quick points, Bonnie. Firstly, if I can uh, quote or, or cite a male bank robber um, to Victoria's initial observation, um, entrepreneurs of any stripe essentially have the Willie Sutton problem or they, they've got the, the Willie Sutton issue, which is, like if you're going to, in his case, rob a bank, he said, go to where the money is. You know, if you're going to get venture capital, the reality is, you know, 93% of the partners controlling venture capital dollars are guys, and in fact, more than proportionally that um, that amount of the uh, sort of decision making um, around dollars attaches to guys. So, you know, Victoria makes a great point that that is the reality within which entrepreneurs have to live, and there's like no easy solution to that. Um, to Pat's point, totally. Um, you know, the issue, and I've written about this, the issue in tech and more generally, is not diversity. It's not a, uh, which seems a silly thing to say, like it's not a numbers game. Um, it's a inclusion issue. You know, you can, you can hire as many people as you like in demographic XYZ to improve your diversity in XYZ. But if they end up leaving at like three times the rate of the rest of your population, A, you know, nothing's going to change. And B, you know, what you're demonstrating is 
actually your problem is not diversity per se, it's inclusion. You've not got an inclusive environment that makes those people feel welcome such that they can bring their whole selves to work and want to, want to stay there. So I totally agree with what Paddy said there. Um, you know, I, I would just offer one thought to anybody listening, particularly any guy listening, as to, well, gee, like, what do I personally do about all of this? How can I personally be helpful? How can I personally think about making a contribution? And, and it would be to consider in everything you do professionally or, or more generally, the following simple phrase, which is the following. Um, think about this. If you are not consciously including, you are more than likely unconsciously excluding. And mm-hmm. it goes back to that example that Victoria gave. Unless you consciously think about whether the event you're doing is going to be inclusive, unconsciously there's a risk that it will be not through any ill intent necessarily, but there's a risk that it will be not inclusive, which was exactly the example um, that Victoria gave. And then finally, one thing I would say on the whole funding thing is I think it is very important that groups like Astia, combining men and women, but also groups basically driven purely by women, play a greater role in the funding uh, environment. And, you know, again, kudos to Sally and uh, Sally Krawcheck, that is, and Elvest. They just raised, I think, $35 million. They raised that in a round led by a fund called Rethink Impact, founded by the managing director is a lady called Jenny, Abraham, Jenny Abrahamson. We need more people like that, I think, to help. And Athia Angels forward. participated. We also were yep. in that round. Thank you. Yep. And Sorry guess what? We have three three and a half minutes left till I have to close the show. So I'm going, to, Adam. I'm going to count that as your prediction because those were yeah. words. There were future thinking words of wisdom to everybody, including the males out there listening. Very important. Thank you, Victoria Pettibone. I can give you 60 seconds for your prediction. Uh, that's it. 60 seconds. So what do you predict right. will change? Well, Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to tie it back to one of the points that Patty made, which is people are thinking that not everyone wins. The data clearly. Shows shows that everyone does win. In fact, HBR just came out with a comprehensive case for investing more VC money in women-led startups, which pulls lots of this data together. But now it's not the data, it's the doing, it's the seeing, it's the having the successful exits from women, it's the watching funds who are investing in women being successful, it's, in, it's having more people invest in those funds that invest in women. Um, all of these actions are going to start making the change. So the more people are taking action on the data or seeing the results of the data, really feeling it, um, the more it's going to change. I do think it's going to be slow. It's going to take time. And every time we have a success, there's going to be a big pushback, just like we just had. Thank you, Victoria. Words to the wise as well. Patty Fletcher, I saved the last 60 seconds. I can give you 90 seconds, Patty. Go ahead. <laughs> um, thank you. So, you know, hearing, hearing what Adam said and, and, and hearing what Victoria talked about, um, we do have to be intentional. We have to change. And, and it will be slow, as Vic, Victoria said. What I'm seeing more and more, and I'm, I'm sure we all are, is that women are saying, screw that. Um, and I'm wondering if in the future, um, my crystal ball prediction may be, we are sick of waiting for the world to change. So let's create the world we want to live in. We see people like Sally Krawcheck. We see Astia Angels. We see more and more women who are of wealth who want to reinvest their wealth in other women. And, I, and gosh, everyday women I'm seeing. So my prediction is that we end up creating some kind of a new market. Um, and it will be quite interesting to see what that looks like but there's something brewing and it's been interesting to watch 
Something brewing. I think we need a. I think we need a song for that, Patty. There's something brewing out there. No, I'm not going to sing. I'm sorry. Very interesting, Adam. I know we didn't get to talk about meritocracy, but I pulled a quote from a website on meritocracy that meritocracy-based culture is very often inadvertently disadvantage women. Anybody who wants to know more can look it up. So, Adam Quinton, always a pleasure. Victoria Pettibone, I hope it was good for you. We are delighted you were able to join us today. And again, shout Thank out you. to your colleague Sharon at Astia and Dr. Patty Fletcher, what can I say? Patty, I think we're looking for an HR-focused person for a show in October. A couple weeks, I will have Brad Borkin get in touch with you. Could be you or somebody you know at SAP, okay? Fabulous. Uh, Talking about the human side of uh, human-centric artificial intelligence. What do you think of them apples? That's all I can Uh, say. One of my favorite topics. That's perfect. Oh, good. I'll tell Brad to call you. Terrific. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a shout-out to Kevin at World Talk Radio Business Channel who gets us on the air and keeps us there. And uh, very happy to have been here. Very interesting conversation. Again, let's do my shout-out at the end, my call to action. Well, Patty knows what it is. Adam may remember it. And, Victoria, you're new to this. So it's fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Adam Quinton, just like Victoria Pettibone, and just like Dr. Patty Fletcher. Go out and change the world for the better. It's an abundance mentality, not an exclusion and poverty and scarcity mentality. Right, Patty Fletcher? Bonnie D. Graham signing off for now. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.